What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode one of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your weekly podcast all about Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Snowbike Mike, and I am joined by an incredible team consisting of Alana Pierce and Gary Witta. Hi. Hello. Hey, you two. Thank you so much for joining me and all the best friends on this awesome journey right now with our Kind of Funny X-Cast podcast. It's going to be a ton of fun, but listeners and viewers, before I introduce and give a little background on ourselves, you're probably saying to yourself, Snowbike Mike, what the heck is the Kind of Funny X-Cast? Well, the Kind of Funny X-Cast is the Kind of Funny Best Friends weekly deep dive into the world of Xbox that's only happening because of you. Yeah, that's right, you, best friends. Back the Kind of Funny team at patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames in the month of January, and we hit our milestone goal to do a six-week pilot program. So thank you, truly and honestly, for powering our dreams. Now, (laughs) who are we, you're probably saying? Since I've done all the talking, I'm going to kick it over to one of my incredible co-hosts to share a little bit about themselves and participate in a fun icebreaker. So first up, Alana Pierce, it's great to have you. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? I'm really bad at this. Hi, I'm Alana. Uh, I've been working in games media for eight years. I started out in Australia where I was writing for magazines and websites, and then I started working on TV and radio there. I was on national radio for, I think, three years total. Uh, I studied journalism um, and mass communication at university, and all of this was leading me towards my end goal, which was to get a job at IGN in San Francisco, which I did. I was there for three years. And now I work at Funhouse and Inside Gaming, uh, which are both Rooster Teeth brands, as well as like, you know, having a YouTube channel and doing fun stuff on my own. So that's pretty much it, I think. <laughs> I love it, Alana. You are totally radical. And here's a fun icebreaker question for you. Okay, I'm ready. What is the best Xbox game of all time? <sighs> Look, you said it's a fun icebreaker, and now I'm really stressed out. What do you mean by best? I mean... Because even like the Mass Effect and Bioshock were exclusives at, at a certain point in time. So for a period of time, you could say Mass Effect was the best. But then there's like, I mean, I love Gears of War 2. That's my favorite Gears. Ooh. I think uh, Halo Combat Evolved just changed the online multiplayer game for me and for a lot of other people in general. So that is an absolutely huge shout out. My game of the year this year so far is Ollie, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I absolutely love it. Still uh, in the lead for me right now. Um I'm going to say my favorite, though, of all time is Fable of the Lost Chapters. I love it, Alana. And I cannot wait to get to know a little bit more about Fable of the Lost Chapters because I only know about Fable 1, 2, and 3. So I'm really excited for you to teach me a little bit about that. We'll get there. You know that. Now, <laughs> my other co-host, you all know him, the rogue one, Mr. Gary Witta. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. And by the way, we didn't coordinate this at all, but how great is it that we're all flying the, the Xbox colors here? Look, we've got the green... The green motif going on is completed by accident, but yeah. like great, great minds think alike, I guess. <laughs> Very Nailed excited. Uh, so yeah, I look. I, I'm as old as the hills. If you're watching on this, this on video, that is that that is apparent. Uh, I I've been around forever. I was the former editor in chief of PC Gamer magazine, and I and through my my um, previous career as a games journalist, I have a very storied. Uh, connection to the Xbox. I was the editor-in-chief of Next Generation magazine when the original Xbox launched. I remember doing the cover story that kind of looked at the very first uh, you know, games that came out. And I actually reviewed Halo Combat Evolved for the very first issue of uh, official Xbox magazine back in the day, going back like almost 20 years now. That's crazy. Um, 
And I've always seen myself as a platform agnostic gamer. I have a Switch, I have a PlayStation 4, I have an Xbox. I love them all equally. I'm not in any way like an Xbox or a platform warrior at all. But if push came to shove and you really asked me, I, I've just had a slight, more, ever so slightly bit more of an affinity for the Xbox, just because, I don't know, I've just always, I've always preferred the feel of the controller. I know that's a subjective thing, but I just like the Xbox controller and the offset sticks than the, the than I ever have, you know, the DualShock. Uh, I like Xbox Live, the user experience, all my friends have always been there. I've had my Xbox Live account going back to the launch of the original Xbox. Um, I'm just a fan. I, again, I'm never, I'm never going to like, you know, uh, shout at anyone for liking PlayStation more than Xbox. Again, I think there's room for everybody. But uh, yeah, I'm like, if it had to be one or the other, I, I always, my, my first love, I, I guess, has always been uh, the Xbox. The last the last American game console, don't forget. So uh, I'm uh, I'm a big, big fan. Very excited about what the future holds. Uh, perfect time to launch this podcast on the threshold of a new generation. Very excited. I love that, Gary. An icebreaker question for you. What is the best Xbox game of all time, Gary Witter? Now, does it have to be an Xbox exclusive title for that for, for it to count, or can it just be? A, Surely, can it, does it have to be? Surely, um, get him, uh, I, mean, I mean, for my my my, my favorite Xbox games of all time on any generation are Mass Effect Two and Red Dead Redemption, um, but they're not necessarily platform exclusive titles. I do remember going back to uh, playing the first Halo Combat Evolved. And that obviously has become like the number one, you know, that's the Xbox franchise more than any other. Uh, I remember going up to Seattle to the Microsoft offices uh, to review that very first game and being very, very skeptical about it. Because I, I came from PC Gamer and it was a first person shooter on console. And mm. as you know, there's a lot of snobbery on the PC side about, <laughs> ah, you know, console shooters aren't viable. You need my mouse and keyboard. You know, controllers are never going to work. And that was kind of the mindset I went in there with but they put that giant ass duke controller in my hand because that's what they had back then and within five minutes like it clicks and i went oh shit no they 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 found a way to make it work like this really does work and i think halo uh probably one of the most important games of all time because it, i think it made uh first person shooter games viable it, pr it proved the case basically for first person shooter games on console and so uh maybe that's my answer certainly in terms of, of its historical significance for sure well I love that, Gary. A wealth of knowledge between the two of you. I'll introduce myself. My name is Mike Howard, a.k.a. Snowbike Mike, and I'm one of you, a kind of funny best friend that has always had one goal, to bring a little bit of green down to that kind of funny studio in San Francisco. And thanks to you all, we made that opportunity possible. So truly and honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I breathe, I live, I eat, I do everything with Xbox. I've been playing it every single day since I was a teenager, probably for good, or for worse, but I've had so much fun over here on this console and this platform. I, was gonna that say, I cannot wait. Probably shouldn't eat it. That's yeah. probably not <laughs> probably not good for your digestive health. I probably should definitely. I'm excited to have some fun with each and every one of you. But <laughs> I have one goal. We're gonna grow together. We're gonna get hyped together over Xbox. And most of all, we're gonna learn together. Thanks to my two incredible co-hosts and of course all of the team at Kinda Funny. So thank you so much. My icebreaker question and answer is simple. These guys have answered some good ones that I would have chose, but I'm going to go with Gears of War, the original. For me, Halo 1 and Halo 2 were everything, and it was something fun to share those multiplayer moments. But man, oh man, on E-Day, Emergence Day, with that trailer and all of that different look really changed my gaming life. To see Marcus Phoenix 
chainsaw locust in half with his lancer to shotgun bounce off of a wall and blow somebody into pieces was truly inspiring. And the story was a lot of fun. I think just at that time, Gears of War changed up the formula for me in my eyes and at my age, that I have to say Gears of War was truly something stunning. Changed the industry too. If you can get Rockstar to implement a mechanic, you've done something right. And Rockstar (laughs) implemented a cover system because of Gears of War. Brought in the cover system, totally changed the game. And I got to add something to that. My all-time favorite, I still have a fond memory of this. Um, The number one most, I'm sure we all have this, but I I know for sure I do. The most fun multiplayer session I ever had in any game ever was an epic six-hour horde mode that I played with the giant bomb guys. And it came down to one guy, Brad Shoemaker, was the only guy left alive. And he took down that final boss and completed that final wave. And it was the most euphoric moment I've ever had in gaming. It was epic. Um, giant bomb did a whole... They I did a whole ongoing I, stories about how good Horde has been. Oh like my, my God. Life. Horde mode is just so great. I mean... Yeah, Sean really Finnegan and I were the context. first people outside of the dev team to beat Gears 4 Horde mode because we went up to the studio, to the coalition, and we were the first people to beat it. And it was, you know, this previous session where all of these people were watching us do this. We were all sweaty as hell because we'd been sitting there for so long trying to get through this. We did have devs on the team, which is obviously really helpful. But like like you said, just one of those like euphoric moments of like, oh my God, that's the best. But I have that like back to years two. Like when it, when it first came out, I have stories like Horde Mode being the best. Uh, I always talk about I played Gears semi-professionally for a while. Semi-professionally just means I was making some money from it. It's not like I was making- <laughs> Wow, that's, re- but that's really it. impressive. I had no idea. Yeah, it was Gears 1 and 2. Um, but very, like, that's very low level. Like, we didn't have a sponsorship. We were just entering tournaments and making money as a team, basically. That is, that um, is really Very cool. chill, <laughs> but it still happened. And I, I met so many friends on Gears of War because I think that first game somehow was like a community where I was, I would have been- probably like a 14 year old girl and no matter what everyone was just really cool and really welcoming and that community was absolutely awesome to me uh i i have such a fondness for gears and then i got to voice some characters in gears 5 and that was the absolute best alana's just flexing now come on she's awesome i have no to bring it up because i'm very excited about it all right so <laughs> i love gears. Well, i'm very excited to get into our first ever episode here for the kind of funny x cast let's jump into some quick housekeeping news the X-Cast posts each and every Saturday at 6 a.m. Pacific time on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames and podcast services around the globe. We're a brand new show, so we need your support. Please subscribe to youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, like the video, and of course, share it with your mama, your daddy, your auntie, your uncle, your dog walker, your dentist, that cute barista at your <laughs> local Starbucks, and of course, everybody here on planet Earth. We're also on podcast services, so please subscribe and leave reviews. Let's make this the most popular show on Kind of Funny so we can go for six more years. I didn't commit to that, Tim. I haven't committed to that. (laughs) Final piece of housekeeping news. Oh, my gosh. Get this, Alana and Gary. The Kind of Funny CEO, Greg Miller, has never played Halo Combat Evolved, which is a true gamer travesty. You cannot pass time and not play this. So we're going to change that. On Thursday, July 23rd, the afternoon after the big show, we're fixing that. Watch his first ever playthrough live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames and later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. What a fraud. I've played that. I play that game through probably once a year. I know, right? And Greg spends all his time. He'll happily collect uh, uh, trophies in trash PlayStation games, but he won't play like the greatest oh my Xbox game. Oh, gosh. 
I love this it. Is why, this is why we had to, whatever. This is why we had to step in and save him from himself. By the way, Mike, <laughs> let me just say, I, you know, I know when we first announced this, there was a lot of talk about what we were going to call this podcast and people were suggesting names. Kind of funny, X-Cast I think is cool, but what I really like about it is KFX. That is cool. KFX I think is going to stick around. That's going to be the hashtag. My favorite that I saw was you had me at Halo. Yeah, that was a very special one. I know <laughs> yeah, a lot of people talk great. about that. Oh, we got to use that too. That's really yeah. cool. That can be the tagline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, so now, it's now it's time to jump into the show. So sit back, relax, and get ready for a great conversation. On a normal show, we would check the dashboard for all the big weekly news topics. But this week, there's truly only one thing on everybody's mind. What will Xbox show at one of its biggest events of the summer, the Xbox Game Showcase? For this episode, we will only focus on our predictions for the upcoming show next Thursday. The Xbox team has stated that this showcase will be an hour long and all about games. So let's talk about our sure things, our expectations, and our wants and desires from Xbox and this big showcase. Alana, Gary, we do know that one thing is a sure bet, and that, of course, is Master Chief. Spartan 117 mm. will be there with 343 Industries, and they will be showing off Halo Infinite campaign gameplay and that new Slip Space engine. What do you guys think about this one? I can't I think, wait to see how they they uh, segue it into being all about a Halo TV show, uh, the Spielberg <laughs> one. Alana, it's not Matrix anymore. We're fine. I love the way that Phil, uh, Phil Spence has been been directing really everything since he he uh, took over. Uh, but still, always have that like little bit of hate in my head for that original Xbox One press conference. That I'm always like, just don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do that. Um, what do we expect from Halo? I mean, we need to see gameplay. We just need to see gameplay, and I'm sure that we will. But I, like, frankly, don't really know what this game even is. Like, it looks slightly open world, maybe. Are they going to make it more multiplayer? Are they going to try to integrate people into the world and maybe, like, a Dark Souls way is a theory that I saw people saying? So I'm very curious. I know it looks pretty, but I don't really know what the game is. I think, uh, by the way, Alana touches on a really important point there. I think we should acknowledge the history here. The last Xbox launch was a catastrophe yes. out of the bat. Let's, let's, let's just all acknowledge that. It was, they got it all wrong. They, they leaned heavily into uh, TV, everything, basically everything but games. And PlayStation just came along and ate their lunch. They had that disaster with game sharing. Remember yeah. that? Remember how much fun Sony had with that? Adam Boys handing <sighs> off the, the game. Oh my like, they gosh. Just, they just walked right into that. So many unforced errors. The Kinect will go down in history as one of the biggest boondoggles in video game history. I am a Kinect apologist. So. I love Kinect. Right? We'll talk about that eventually. But, I, okay, the always-on thing was a huge red flag that they never should have said at any point. <laughs> That's terrifying. But I am, you know, one of the world's few Kinect apologists. I guess you're with me there, Mike. But yes. I still think Kinect is cool. Point being, in that conference, yes, it was an absolute disaster. I, re I remember going to a friend's, um, uh, it was a, 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 a kid's birthday party, and it was a bunch of, like, 10-year-old kids playing around with the Xbox One and a Kinect. And one of the kids turned to his dad at some point and said, Dad, can we play a game with real controllers? And at that moment, I knew it was over. Mm. And it ne it, there was never a great example. There was never a great a killer app that really demonstrated what the Kinect could do. It was good technology on paper, didn't work in, in practice. Um, okay, but Rise, Gary. Rise. 
rise so, you got to yell like i don't remember the oh phrases that you would yell but your connect would pick it up you'd be like fire the catapults and then they would fire the catapults and i was like this uh, is all i've ever wanted yes. do you remember that video though that went viral of the guy demoing the star wars game where it clearly wasn't real where he was like adopting a stance but like the game was actually ahead of him and it was all faked mm. like it was just one pr catastrophe after another it forced them to launch at a higher price which yeah. set them back, and it wasn't until they basically at one point they basically did okay. Let's 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 take a mulligan. Let's do this over. Xbox once is launching over again. Connect never heard of it. We're taking it out of the box. We're not going to support it anymore. Let's do this over. And in the second half of Xbox One's lifespan, they started to make back some ground, but they lost so much with that first iteration. They mm -hmm. got it all wrong. For that reason. More than anything else, I think they've hopefully they've learned their lessons from history. This new showcase is going to be all about games because that was the biggest thing. Where are the games? You're talking about everything but games, and now I, now I think they're going to lean hard into in, into games, and that's what we're going to see. So far as Halo Infinite's going to uh, going to be concerned, I think that's potentially really interesting. We don't know very much about it. The name is suggestive, perhaps, of a more open world Destiny type experience we can go out and make your own adventure that though is fraught with risk we've seen and you know anthem and other games have proved that we don't yet quite know how to execute that genre correctly destiny is probably the biggest example of it of getting it right but as we've seen a lot of failed things as well if xbox go i'd be interested to hear what mike uh you and alana think of this like if they go in that direction that could potentially be new life for halo but it's also fraught with peril i don't know if that's something they really want to do right now I don't want that at all. Um, no. You know, the only like inside thing that I really do know about Halo Infinite was that it was pushed because the writing changed when people had such a negative reaction to Locke. And we're like, okay, we have misunderstood how important the Chief actually is to people. It seemed like internally they were like, hey, he's just a shell. It doesn't really matter that much. No, it does. Uh, so that was like a big kind of restructure that happened as far as the narrative is concerned. But that's the only thing that I really know about that game is that it should based on that tidbit of them reassessing things after Halo 5, um, it should have more of a focus on the Chief again. Which... But you think it's going to be a, just a, a, another traditional linear story-based experience? <sighs> Look, I hope so, but I don't yes. know. Um, I would be okay with it being uh, more open world, but I don't want it to be a, a Destiny-like. And even saying, yeah, Destiny is successful, but it's still everyone who plays Destiny hates Destiny. <laughs> Right. You ever spoken to a Destiny player about Destiny? They're like, God damn, this game is garbage. <laughs> it gets uh, big boosts generally around like November when they release a new DLC every year. I tend to play Destiny like solidly for a good three weeks every single year and I get very into it and then I never touch it again. That's not what I want with Halo. Can I see them doing it? Yeah, because Xbox right now does seem to have a focus on games as service. Um, I consistently play Sea of Thieves. Uh, that's something that I continue to return to, and it's certainly not what I wanted from Rare. When Rare announced a pirate game, I was like, oh my god, yes, give me a Rare uh, linear pirate game that's silly and goofy, but I still really love that game. So yeah, just with what we've seen them putting out, um, I could see it, it being games of service or having that focus, but I also don't know because they're acquiring studios right now who have been known for making single-player campaigns, so maybe that's not the direction anymore. Uh, all I know is that I don't want that. I would really like a a linear story on my Halo. You can give me bigger environments. I'm I'm cool with that, uh, but I don't want it to be a, a Destiny Anthem situation, personally. Mike, what do you want to see from the next Halo? You know, I have a big want, and we'll touch on that in just a moment. But of course, as all of us, I think, as Xbox fans, look at it. If we imagine a circus tent and we talk about the tent poles, Halo is that massive uh, tent pole in the middle. 
that rises above all else. And this is a big, important moment for them, especially because when you look back, we only got one Halo this whole console generation. It's been five mm. years since the release of Halo 5. And I know it's a huge Halo fan. I wish that every day I played Halo consistently. And unfortunately for me, yes, we did have a stumble with that story and they took it on the chin. And the biggest piece for them, I believe, just like Alana says, is they need to come back with a great story. And I don't want them to change it up into a Destiny or massive multiplayer open world. I want them to focus on what we know Halo is, but I want them to give me characters that I care about. When we always play the Sony and Microsoft card, we always talk about one thing. All of a sudden, I'm feeling emotion. I'm talking to characters that I know and love on that Sony brand. And I love Master Chief, but he isn't just a shell to me. And I want characters around him to make me get emotional if they go, if they come, if they succeed, if they fail. And I think from that trailer we saw at last E3, it brought up all of those emotions and more. So I'm really excited to see what the story will be. And of course, we're blessed on this podcast to have somebody who knows stories inside and out with Gary Witter. So I'm excited to hear what he thinks we could change this to. I, but I have full confidence. Tell me I, was, I was actually a story consultant on Halo 5. So if people didn't like it, I have to bear some small responsibility <laughs> for it. Um, here's the thing. I'll tell you one thing they're doing right, right out of the gate, before we even know what kind of game it is. They are doing something right that they didn't, they, that I think they got very wrong last generation, which is launching this console with a Halo game. I, re I remember when the Xbox One came and there was no Halo game for a long time after the launch. I was, I, I, I was saying this to everyone who would listen. If I were Bill Gates, I'd be walking into that office right now and saying, okay, so let me get this right. We're launching a big new console. We have this thing, Halo, which is the number one most attractive thing on the console and we're not launching them together, if you can't get your hardware and software divisions lined up so that we're doing this all together so the game launches with a killer app, like the one thing that everyone associates with Xbox, why are you even in this job? Like the original Xbox launched with Halo, and that's a big part of what made it hit. It was the killer app. You want to play Halo, the hottest game on the planet right now? Got to get an Xbox. That's the whole reason why we're doing this. Xbox Three, the Xbox 360, I'm going to forgive my ignorance, but Halo 3... Was, was at least in that window, right? They had it in the launch window. And then- I remember being at the launch event for Halo 3 in Australia. I don't feel like it was quite at launch. If I, I, I think it's correctly. within two to three years, I believe, Alana, if I think back. Because I was that 14 right. when the console came out and I think I had it at 17 uh, senior out, year. Oh, it was one of the, the 2007 games. You know how 2007 was an insane year for video games? It was September 25, 2007. And when, but when, would the, when did the 360 launch? 2005, something like that? 2006? Xbox 360 came out 2005. So Okay, so Halo 3 was, a, again, for my taste, that's still too far behind. Xbox yeah. One launched with no Halo game even on the horizon, and we didn't get uh, Halo for a really, really long time. And again, I think that's part of the reason why Xbox One, I mean, again, we want to talk, we could do a whole other podcast on the number of reasons why Xbox One really stumbled. They took all of the goodwill that could, don't forget, Place Tony had a bad generation with PlayStation 3. 599 US dollars hit the, you know, historically it was, it was accurate like massive. Almost $1,000 in Australia. Oh my God. I mean, it's everything's so... overpriced in Australia, but you know, like, <laughs> here's a historically uh, accurate Chinese uh, game hit the giant crab and its weak spot for massive damage. Ridge Racer. It all became like a joke, right? And PlayStation 3 really squandered a lot of the goodwill that um, it got from coming out of PlayStation 2. Meanwhile, Xbox 360 really built on the what Xbox had built. And the Xbox 360 had a terrific generation. And then it totally flipped around. PlayStation 4 had another strong generation. They recouped their, their PlayStation 3, whatever momentum they had lost with a much stronger 
uh, console. And Xbox One, again, the first half of that generation, they totally squandered it. And it wasn't until they kind of, you know, again, like, okay, redo, redo, the Xbox One started to catch up again. But it's seriously behind PlayStation now in the market, and it's got a long way to go. I think this next generation is going to be much more, I think Xbox still is like starting a way back, but I think we're going to see much more parity between the Series X and the PlayStation 5 in terms of, you know, with, uh, making the argument for which is the, the stronger uh, console to go with. I feel um, like it's a very different landscape now. Also, on the topic of Halo, I just want to yeah. um, give a shout out to what they've been doing with the Master Chief Collection. We just yeah, got Halo yeah. 3. Um, it had obviously a rocky launch from the jump, but I feel like the Master Chief Collection is an absolutely fantastic product. Uh, the fact that they put so much time and, and love into that, I really, really, really appreciate. It's also just great that we can continue to play all of the Halo games. It's even, you know, it's a good franchise. It's a damn good franchise. I can't think of a bad Halo game. And the fact that games like Reach and ODST are also as good as they are, even being kind of side releases. Um, just want to give that a shout out. Uh, I would sorry to cut you off there, Mike. No, don't worry, Alana. I would love to pose a question to the both of you. As I've said before, I truly believe that 343 Industries will bring out a killer campaign. That is what they know they have to do. The multiplayer suites have been incredible on all the Halos, and I think we all can agree with that. But I will pose the question. We live in a world that is dominated by Battle Royales. And yes, we have seen word from the team at Halo that they plan on not making a Battle Royale at launch, and that discussion will be tabled for right now. But if you could imagine for one moment, closing your eyes, and after we see all of these games at the Xbox Game Showcase, they say one final thing, and it's a jet black screen. Cortana's voice comes <laughs> on and says, Spartans, are you ready for drop? And it opens up to a pelican flying through the air, a massive map underneath. The hangar door opens. Spartans step up and jump out. Could a Halo Battle Royale change the tide for this team? I know it's off the table, but for me, that's currently living in this Battle Royale zeitgeist that plays it every single day. And as I said at the top, I want to play Halo every single day with my friends. I want my friends to celebrate Halo and I want them to talk about it for more than three months, more than six months. I want to talk about it for a full year, similar to Fortnite, similar to Apex, and now Call of Duty. Could a Halo Battle Royale shift this in a different direction? I, I think absolutely. I think that like it's. I'd, I'd be willing for whatever it's worth. It ain't much, but I'd be willing to stake my reputation on on there being a Halo battle royale. If not right at launch, shortly thereafter, perhaps in a you know modern warfare war zone kind of way. Like it wasn't at launch, but it came shortly after. And now war zone is kind of killing it in in, in that space. Like battle royale continues to be you know a place where all the big shooters want to be. Uh, we're still, you know, reinventing it and discovering, you know, cool new ways to make it more interesting. Halo is an S-tier uh, first-person franchise. It goes together like peanut butter and jelly. They, they're they're going to do it. The, the question is, are they going to bake that into the game at launch? Uh, will they Will they even tease the fact that it's coming, you know, after launch at this event? I don't know. But, like, if there's no battle, if there's no Halo Battle Royale this generation, I think we would all be stunned, surely. I, I agree. It'd be crazy for them to not do it. Um, I'm a huge Battle Royale fan too. I know people say it's just like a fad, but I don't agree. It's just a new multiplayer mode. It's the same as every game has a King of the Hill and every game has a Capture the Flag. It's just a new multiplayer mode. It makes sense for any multiplayer shooter to have Battle Royale. Uh, I remember when we were like hypothesizing it back at uh, Podcast Unlocked at IGN, I got so excited thinking about a Halo Battle Royale. And I, I am a huge Apex fan. I've not played much Fortnite. Like I don't play... Battle Royale every day like you do, Mike. But the idea of a Halo Battle Royale because of the vehicles 
is so good to me. <laughs> like, I would love to play that. I would be totally happy to play that. Do I think it'll change the tide for Halo? I mean, it has the potential to because it's on, it will in theory launch on PC also, um, especially if there's crossplay. You could do some crazy stuff with that. Obviously, the console versus PC issue with the first person <laughs> shooter is a tough one, but um, I do think there's a ton of potential there. It's obviously how you get the streaming and content creation community on board in large part. Uh, I don't know that it it makes Halo suddenly a bestseller all over again, uh, but it it's certainly won't hurt, and I want it. <laughs> I love it, yeah, Alana. The, the more I think about it, the more I think we're just going to get, like my attitude, you know, it's a very risk-averse business. And my feeling is like, they're probably sitting around at Microsoft and they like innovation. Innovation is cool. There's going to be plenty of that. But they're probably sitting there thinking, look, this is our, this is our big console launch. Halo's our number one franchise. Let's not roll the dice on some reinvention. We've seen Destiny Anthem. We've seen how it can go wrong. Let's just deliver. Let's stay in our safe space. What we know works is deliver a solid, you know, triple, hopefully a home run, really strong linear campaign, story-based, great multiplayer suite, put Battle Royale on the top. What more, you know, what, what more can you ask for? Like they can play it safe and still deliver something that everybody wants. They could also carry over the rec system potentially into a Battle Royale. From the war zone they have, yep. Yeah, which uh, I think generally people like, and that would count as playing it safe, I think from a business perspective. It's not like they have to completely reinvent a Halo Battle Royale. I do think that there are things about Warzone in Halo 5 that you could sort of port over to Infinite's multiplayer to make it, you know, continue to be profitable because that's the thing with a single player campaign is that it's in theory harder to monetize. But Halo is such a multiplayer staple. There will be people who will play Halo Infinite who, assuming there is a single player campaign, please make a single player campaign, won't even play that and will only play the multiplayer, which is, you know, the safe bet for them to continue making money off of it as a service. So yeah, I would be interested to see if they port rec packs into into a battle royale or what other game modes might continue to support that and i think that the halo community has always been open to cosmetics because like you know there's, there's so many i remember just breach seeing people just like covered in lightning and like th there's always been tons of cool cosmetics in in um well not always but more recently uh in the multiplayer components of those games so the community is already on board with looking cool and spending money on that part of that game so it's not um i think i think you're right gary it's not it's not a risk it's something that's easy to monetize and something that is already kind of built into those games more recently. So it seems like a no-brainer to me. But they did say, Mike, right, that it is definitely not happening on launch, right? Not happening on launch. Uh, they believe that is just another game mode. You can create that on Forge is what one of the team members came out and said. But it does not look like this will be a launch situation. So we will see. And, of course, they do have Warzone, the PvP, PvE situation with the big team battles on a larger map. So will we get Warzone 2.0? How do they elevate that? But as I said, you know, I'm not a big Warzone guy in Halo. I really prefer the Battle Royales, and I think that's how you take Halo to the next level. That's how you get people playing it day in and day out for longer than three months, six months down the road that aren't the diehards, right? We know who will be there because the Halo multiplayer suite is truly incredible, and they did some great things in Halo 5 with that arena mode that I truly love. The Team Deathmatch, Slayer, all of that will always be great. So it'll be fun to see. But of course, that is the only thing we know will be at the Xbox Game Showcase that's confirmed. It's the biggest topic. It's the biggest situation. 343 has to come out swinging with a killer campaign and story with gameplay for us to see. But got a whole lot of other things to talk about. 15 first-party studios. Alana, do you have anything now that would you would expect to show up to the Xbox Game Showcase? Well, I know Fable's being made. I've said that a few times. It's not been announced, but... 
just just too many Microsoft employees have told me on the slide because I'm excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> so I've had a bunch of people, like there was like five of them. And I was like, look, if it were just one of you, I wouldn't be openly talking about this. But so many of you did this and I'm just going to tell everyone, Babel is being made. I don't know by who the guest has obviously been Playground because they recently hired a bunch of people who have experience working on open world games. I think, I think Forza Horizon is currently my favorite racing series ever. So I, I have tons of faith in Playground too. Um, so Fable is happening and I want to know what it looks like as a Fable fan, again, of the Lost Chapters, which uh, is literally just Fable 1 with extra content for the record. So Fable Anniversary, I believe, is the Lost Chapters 2, uh, which came out more recently, kind of towards the end of the 360 era. Um, I, I, I love Fable 1 because I love the combat in that game. But it also, one thing that I really like about Fable that differentiates it from other RPGs to me is just how silly it is. It doesn't take itself too seriously. And while the stories can get a little bit dark, it's just like really goofy British humor that I just absolutely love and want to see more of. Um, one thing that is not specifically game related that I just hope that we see more of because it's been touched on is the xCloud uh, Game Pass relationship. Yeah. Because um, mm -hmm. I think that is a huge deal. I feel like right now xCloud is the one that I have the most, most faith in where video game streaming is concerned. I do have Stadia. I, I just canceled my subscription recently, actually. It works great for me, um, but there are so many issues that I have with their pricing models and all of that, that xCloud seems to be the front runner. And then they announced that it was going to be uh, basically a part of Game Pass. Uh, that's, that's just incredible. Uh, I hope that we, even if it's not like a, you know, spoken presentation from Phil Spencer and his blazer with his t-shirt underneath, that I at least get like, you know, this game is going to be on xCloud and Game Pass. Like, I would really like to see that stuff because they're pushing the, I think, the entire industry in a direction that I find very exciting. Um, of course, streaming games is not going to work globally for a lot of people. It's just right now the few of us that have fast enough internet connections and good enough pings that it does work for. But I definitely want to see that as well as Perfect Dark. That's, that's one Ooh. that I, I don't know anything about. It's been rumored the Coalition might be working on it. Um, I'm a huge Perfect Dark fan of the first game, not the second game. I love Joanna Dark. Uh, I loved all the crazy weapons in that series and just goofy aliens. Uh, that, that's the one that would be like my, my want, I want Perfect Dark. Well, let's take one moment because we have some user questions that Gary want to get connected with us. Now, you brought up some great ones there, Alana. We do know, reported by my good friend, Jeffy Grub Grub, Jeff Grub has said that the initiative will not be there at the Xbox Game Showcase, but that doesn't mean we can't take a moment in our first ever podcast to talk about one of the biggest studios under the Xbox Game Studio uh, umbrella. So from Nate Lloyd, what's up, XCast crew? I'm wondering what, what your speculations are about the rumored initiative game and what they're working on. Rumors have been circulating about a perfect dark reboot, but personally, I'd rather see them build a new IP from scratch, and that would have a shot at becoming a new Xbox tentpole franchise. So. Gary Whittle, I'll start off with you since we just heard from Alana. The Initiative, a brand new studio started in 2018, still very early in development. They're still hiring as of 2019. So we probably will not see them. And if Jeff Grubb says we're not, we're probably not going to see it. But do you want to see a Perfect Dark reboot? I don't have any, you know, everyone has, and again, I go all the way back to the original Xbox. And I and I still remember many of the, X, the OG Xbox launch titles. And so you want Brute Force 2? Well, no, yes. I, 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 I bet you you don't know where I'm going with this. But when I, <laughs> if, 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 if I know you as well as I think I do, when I say it, you're going to go, oh, yes, please, let's have some of that. Um, if I'm going all the way back to the Xbox and like one of my favorite games of the OG Xbox generation, 
uh, that I would love to see them go back to, that I want to see brought back for the Series X, Crimson Skies. Mm. Give me some Crimson Skies. I loved that game. I loved the world building. That aerial combat was fantastic. Uh, there's a great remaster of it available right now that you can play on the Xbox One where they, you know, kind of, uh, they, they polished it all up. Um, you know, I think a, a nice way to kind of honor the history of the Xbox franchise. It's been around now for, you know, four, this will be for the fourth generation. It's been around long enough now that it has a real history. And you can go back to, you know, they weren't all hits, you know, Cameo. Uh, you know, Perfect Dark yeah. Zero, you know, not every, not every game that, that Microsoft brought out at launch um, was, I used to be a big fan of Project Gotham Racing. Um, oh, I love so, Project Gotham Racing. I get used that, to love uh, PGR, PGR, oh, you're getting that kudos? PGR yeah. PGR3 was like my, was was my favorite one of that. Of, of that I got a world record in PGR3, but I one time in my PGR3. teenage years that I was grounded. Oh. I got a world record on the test track because I was grounded for a week and I was like, yeah, I'll show you mom and dad. Anytime, anytime I hear a song on the radio that was from that game, it takes me right back to that place. The walking around and looking at your cars in the like real oh. garage, and, yeah. I mean, it won't it won't come back because Forza now occupies that space, yeah. which, which is kind of a shame, and it does a lot of the same stuff. Um, but you know, I have a, I have a big affinity for for Project Gotham Racing. Um, but I think if I could bring if I could reach back into the history of the OG Xbox and bring anything back. Um, and again, it's a nice way to kind of feel like, yeah, even like, you know, even as we move forward, we're still kind of honoring like the early days of Xbox history and games that we all still love. I, I would bring back Crimson Skies. I, I, to see that with next-gen technology could be phenomenal. I would love that. Very interesting there, Gary. Good poll right there. For me on the initiative, you know, this team was bought to create a quadruple-A title is what they called it at one point. But we always have those conversations of what Microsoft has, what Sony has, and what we're missing over here. So for me, with the initiative in this extremely talented team, I am looking forward to a narrative-driven third-person action-adventure game that really makes you buy into the characters. And as Alana said before, I grew up with an N64. Perfect Dark was very special to me. I had a lot of fun with Joanna Dark in that game and with co-op with my little brother. Loved the multiplayer. And, you know, I think a lot of people forget how old this game is, the lineage, and especially with Xbox 360, I think... A lot of people were either hot or cold on what Perfect Dark Zero was. But for me, Perfect Dark Zero will always hold a special spot in my heart because it was one of the first games on the 360 with the multiplayer Xbox Live involved in it. And man, oh man, did we play a lot of multiplayer games mm. in that world. So I'm very excited. And I know that Jeff Grubb has stated it will not be present at this conference, but I would love for a splash screen or I would love for the jet black screen and then just the pan of Joanna Dark's face with the gun next to her really quick. If that's what the initiative is working on, I think it would be a great game for a fun, you know, futuristic stealth kind of feeling like Deus Ex, maybe, you know, Hitman type. I feel like it fills the Splinter Cell fun. hole. Splinter really Cell is well. a great one. I mean, Splinter Cell, if we're talking about great original Xbox games, damn, that's up there, but we, you know, we can't do that. Ubisoft owns that. Um, that's, that's totally not happening now, I don't think. Uh, which is crazy because I've, I've had people at Ubisoft tell me it is in development, but I, I now think that they were tricking me to try to get me to say that it was to just play games. <laughs> like, I like, that was only like three years ago that a Ubisoft employee was like, yeah, we're making a new Splinter Cell. And, and then it never happened. And I just, I don't know. <laughs> but I think Perfect Dark fills the, the Splinter Cell gap really well, while also just being this crazy, creative, fun time. You got laptop guns and you got that one where you reloaded it by like putting your hand inside of it, the alien <laughs> weapons and the the, the uh, sniper rifle that shot through walls. Like it was, it was, it was rad. And I would take more of that for sure. Also Jet Set Radio. 
I would, uh, I'd actually be, I'd, I'd take a little side bet on um, Perfect Dark coming back because it is a storied franchise. Perfect Dark Zero was not well loved, but it is a storied um, franchise. Um, you know what, you know the other one I just it randomly popped into my head. You know the other one that I think would get a big reaction in the room if they announced it coming back? Steel Battalion. Oh, yeah. That's, that's got to be in my top 20 original Xbox games too. And I don't know if it would even have to come with like the crazy ass controller or something, but just like people love Steel Battalion. Everyone has fond memories of that game. Apart from the people that had to play it with the Kinect. Those poor, <laughs> ba- those poor bastards. <laughs> now, I do want to rewind just a moment, Alana. Just a little bit ago, you, ta- you brought up Fable and how we want to see that. We expect to see that. Alana, you are the Fable expert amongst the three of us, and I'm sure Gary has a lot of memories with it. But what do you want to see from a Fable reboot brought to you by Playground Games. How important would this be to you as an Xbox fan, as an Xbox owner? And of course, what do we need to see from this team in this game? I mean, to be extremely personal about it, like I said, Fable TLC or Fable 1 is my favorite Fable. Um, It has to kind of return to that. uh, Not for the Peter Molyneux influence. I know he's obviously not part of it. It's it's more for the the silliness and the combat. Did you guys play Kingdoms of Amalur? Yes, I did. I always feel like uh, Kingdoms of Amalur had a modern version of what Fable 1's combat would be. So if you took that kind of combat and put it into a new Fable, but you have to keep that crazy, silly British humor that they have, because that's a, a part of it that I really love, which is why I have faith in it if it is Playground, because they are a British studio. I think an American team making a Fable game would feel really, really weird. Um, and obviously, I feel like when talking about Fable, you have to bring up how devastating it is that Lionhead got shuttered because... Fable Legends didn't work. Um, I did play Fable Legends uh, at Gamescom years ago, and it was fun, but uh, certainly that was one of those gaming trends of a a particular mode that just came and went really quickly, and it wasn't what I wanted from Fable at all either. But yeah, it's got to be the silly humor. I would like more mature combat. It doesn't have to be complicated, but I I didn't like it in 2 or 3 anywhere near as much. Uh, I love all the, the real estate... Uh, kind of stock market stuff that they have built into Fable, like you, you know, buying out areas in Bowerstone and uh, charging rent and being a landlord. Um, I did think that there were like some interesting bureaucratic uh, themes brought up in Fable 3, where you have to make a big decision at the end about whether you're saving people or charging more taxes. Like that stuff is like, they they approach it in a, in a way that's like interesting while also not, you know, being too real and still being silly. Um, and I also just really like the guilds. Like, I think if anything, I would probably want it to take place, uh, in a time frame more similar to the first game. Um, but the, the pillars of it for me are like, give me more mature combat and, and make it funny. Those are the two things that I really want from a fable. It's entirely possible that they could reveal a fable next week and it could be a fable I don't want, which is fine. You know, make your own game. Don't, you don't have to make it to my rules, but it's totally possible. And I've kind of already accepted that, that it could be a fable that I don't like the look of because two and three really didn't grab me as much. It's important, I think, to take a moment to acknowledge Fable's place in gaming history. Again, I'm, I'm, I've been around forever, so I'm old enough to remember, like, I was reviewing games when Fable came out and it was totally new. No one had ever seen anything like that. And that was when Peter Molyneux was at the, like, at the height of his you know, we're going to do things that have never been done before. And See, that's a really interesting one, Gary. You, so Peter Molyneux was like, you know, I just imagine, because I don't remember the hype cycle for that game. I just remember playing it and enjoying it and finding that renowned system interesting and finding the good and bad mechanic to be fun. Like the fact that you eat a bunch of chicks and then you'd grow horns, fun. I imagine that before <laughs> that game came out, that a lot of what was coming from Peter Molyneux and the team was that they were going to shift RPGs permanently like was it just dramatically overhyped 
Well, Surely I mean, I, I mean, Peter, I, I, I don't get me. Peter's a good friend of mine. I've known him forever. I, lo I love Peter. And, you know, Peter was was sometimes his own worst enemy in that he would like overpromise to such a spectacular degree right. that even when he delivered something amazing, it still didn't live up to the promises. Fable was, I argue, the, la the last game that he brought out where people were like, wow, this really is something amazing. And, and, and you know, Molyneux uh, was, and I believe still is, a genius. Um, I played and... Cube. <laughs> you remember I played Cube? played a lot of Cube. Um, so, and, and, and again, when I, when I talk about its place in history, a lot of the games that we play today, like The Witcher and Assassin's Creed, where big open world and you, you walk into a town in The Witcher and people kind of react to you based on your reputation. I don't think we would have those games if it weren't for Fable. Fable really introduced a lot of those big innovative concepts into the world for the first time. You know, do you want to be good or bad? You know, uh, we've seen that now in Mass Effect. We see it in Witch. We see it in, you know, we've seen all these games now. Uh, you know, Fable really is, you know, they they all kind of stand on the shoulders of of, of what Fable uh, the concepts that Fable first introduced. So I totally, I, I totally agree with you on that point. And the other, the, I agree with Alana also on the importance of the humor and the tone. Um, big open world games now are, you know, the we see them all the time, right? The Last of Us is not super open world, but you know, whether it be like look at the look at the big games that are in the conversation right now: Assassin's Creed, Last of Us Part Two, Ghosts of Tsushima. Uh, these are games that are, are have wonderful, wonderfully realized worlds, uh, evocative storytelling. But my goodness, do they take themselves seriously? Yeah, you know, it's one of my it, biggest criticisms of Ghost of Tsushima. It's just it right? has no sense of humor. It's it's very dour, and I understand why they're doing that because again, they're trying to honor the kind of samurai. But even Kurosawa had a sense of humor. The Ujimbo is hilarious in places mm. like you know, the, all of those movies are often very funny. And I think sometimes there is a um, uh, a predilection in game design and 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 game narrative to kind of feel like in order in order to feel like they're as worthy as a film and they, they want to kind of prove that they can be just as cinematic and artistically and have as much artistic merit as a movie mm -hmm. that in order to do that they have to be very serious and tackle big serious emotional subjects but you know some of the greatest movies ever made are comedies right billy wilde is one of the greatest film directors of all time and he made funny funny movies and so i don't know why you 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 can't reach for that level of artistic you know worth and integrity doing something funny and uh, to me, Fable could potentially be like the number number one appeal for me to play. It will not be anything. I'm sure the gameplay and all that will be great. But like, I want to have fun playing a game. I yeah. want to laugh. I want to play something lighthearted and, and, and chuckle along with the characters. Fable has always occupied that territory. It's always kind of had that because of its British roots. It's always had that very quintessentially British Python-esque humor and they and they lay it and they doubled down on that as the technology got better and they added more and more voice acting like they were bringing in those you know f funny you know Stephen Fry and you know these people you that just would come stand in there like 11. right exactly oh my god I, I, hate, I hate the fact that Alana can do a better British accent than I can at this point <laughs> I've lost the ability to do mine um but yeah that's part of the fun and again like so, games take themselves so seriously these days not at the indie level we see all kinds of quirky innovative humor happening in indie games but for some reason at the triple a level everything is so damn serious these days and the idea of a of a triple a game coming along that is leaning into comedy and just being fun i i i think we're ready for that especially in this day and age i think you're right gary even thinking about it the combat could be the same as it is in three, which is much more simple than it is in the original game, I think. And I would actually still play it as long as it's silly. And I don't have any issue with games being really serious. I think there's a place for that. But having Fable act as kind of like a release from that 
is definitely something that I want, especially in an open world game. It's just really nice to live and explore in something that is just ridiculous and silly. And even the skeletons you're fighting just look absolutely absurd. Right. And the achievements list is mostly full of silly garbage. And for some reason, every single person you meet will fall in love with you as long as you give them a gift. Like I just find that that world, again, being an open world game, just it's just really pleasant. And, and, and I, just, just so we're clear, I agree with you, Alana, there is a place for that. But I, I'm just saying there's a place for other styles too. Mm -hmm. And I worry that, again, you look at all the big games in the conversation right now, coming, whether it be Assassin's Creed, Valhalla coming up, or Anthem, or Destiny. Destiny has little moments of, of humor around the edges. Yeah. But Last of Us 2, Ghost of Tsushima, they take themselves so seriously. And it starts to feel a little bit, not in terms of any one game, but in terms of all of the games that are out there, it starts to feel a bit one note. Yeah, and and I think that Fable can do. That's one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for Nintendo and the Switch. Like, I can't wait to play Paper Mario because even though it's not necessarily comedic, it's at least lighter in tone and it's a different tonality than all of the serious stuff we're playing right now. You I know, mean, even topics. Ori, which again is my game of the year right now, is it's really whimsical. sad. Right, but it, but it's whimsical at least, right? Yeah. There's there's a little bit of both. It's but beautiful. yeah, every, everything. I, I I think it's almost a sign. I don't want to get into like too too big of an existential conversation, but I, I do think it's a little bit of a sign that we're still somewhat immature as a storytelling medium, that we assume that in order to tell a story that can have worth, it has to, it has to take itself very seriously and deal with very big, important, dour subjects. I must reclaim my family's honor. My whole family has been wiped out and I never smile because I'm very serious and this is art. You can make art that's funny. Like try other things as well, and that's why that's why I think Fable is going to be a really valuable game this this generation. And I, I think it can demonstrate that. Yeah, I like that. I like the enthusiasm and the excitement. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about story here. One of Microsoft's biggest purchases was Ninja Theory. We did see Hellblade Two revealed just a little bit ago at the Game Awards with a pretty intense reveal trailer. So now we're going to completely switch gears. Will we see gameplay or another trailer? or Hellblade 2, we will most likely not see what that studio is working on with Project Mara and Insights. What are you guys' thoughts on Hellblade 2? This is a big franchise that's in the building and in the growth period for Microsoft. Man, when that was revealed, I, I did a double take. I love Hellblade, fantastic game. Um, someone very close to me has schizophrenia and that game really dies into that theme in such an interesting way that I've always wanted to show that person that game just to see what they would think. But uh, fantastic game. But I was like, how are they going to make a second? Hell, what? 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 But it looks amazing. That trailer was so, so, so cool. I'm not against it. It's just, just the way that that game goes. It just seems like such a weird choice to make another Hellblade. Um, very open to it. Yeah, I think it's actually probably pretty likely that we would see gameplay because one of the good things about Hellblade is that it's a shorter game um, and potentially means that it could come out as a launch title and only be a six hour product. Uh, we don't know how long it's been in development for, but I feel like it's pretty safe to assume that that is close to completion. Um, and then maybe they can announce Enslaved 2. I didn't play Hellblade, but my wife did. And um, she found it. Uh, I can't remember exactly how she described it. There's a lot of emotional labor involved in playing that game. Like it's oppressively dark and like, 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 like serious is not the word for it. Like obviously it's dealing with such serious themes it's it's um it's almost an ordeal to play that game right narratively because you also um, i don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't played it but it has this like this mechanic that you kind of don't know what's going to happen 
that you're constantly sort of thinking about is like, I don't know what this mechanic actually means for me as a player. And, and that's a very unique thing about Hellblade is that there is a consequence, but you don't know what the consequence is or if it'll happen or when it'll happen. Um, it, it is a labor for sure. Yeah, which is probably why it's to its credit that it's pretty short. On, yeah. on a technical level though, that trailer was absolutely stunning. Amazing. Stunning. It will be very exciting to see how this team optimizes the game for Xbox Series X. And we'll have that conversation down the road the parts, the pieces that go into the console and how developers can leverage it. But you know, Ninja Theory will really take it to the next level. Personally, for me, I never played Hellblade. It's kind of uh, not my genre, not my kind of game. But I will say that trailer at the Game Awards really got me excited. If we see more, we see another story-driven trailer, or if we see gameplay and it's very, you know, just what we would think, I think I'm on board and I'm excited to give it a try. A lot of people talk it up. And for Microsoft to buy the studio, that means it's the real deal. So. For me as a gamer, I'm excited to check this out because that Game Awards trailer was wild. I do hope we might see a little bit more of Project Mara. I thought that looked really interesting. Yes, Project Mara and Project Insight is very exciting stuff. And if you read up about it, and of course we did see, I mean, we didn't even know what was happening. It was just photos of the team and some staircase. And then they said this was all in the game, which was pretty amazing to see. So it will be exciting, but I believe that's pretty far off down the road for a right now situation. All right, next one up, we got to talk about Rare, a studio we all know and love. Everwild is a big one here. We saw that at XO19. One of those games, it's beautiful. It's going to be stunning. It's going to be something special. But I personally don't even know what this is, right? We saw three people walking around this wild world that kind of looked like Sea of Thieves, but more, more ingrained, more beautiful, I would call it. And don't quite know what Everwild's going to be. This would be a big moment for them to come out and speak more on that as this is one of their bigger titles. I have no I, idea what this game's going to be. I don't be. know. And it's the first I've ever heard of it. They, oh, you got to look they, it up. You'll love it. Yeah, they it. did show a trailer and it was really pretty. Yep. Um, no idea what it is. And, and Rare, uh, specifically actually pre-Microsoft Rare, though, are still my favorite game studio ever. Um, that N64 era of games just when you go down the list of like all the game and rare replay, I mean, they're just so many good games. Uh, I do also love Sea of Thieves and I, I just, I really love Rare as a studio. Um, I've always said that I'm like one day, maybe I'll work there. Maybe I'm going to show, day. I'm going to show my age again here because I also appreciate very much the history of Rare going back even into the days before they were Rare, when they were Ultimate Play the Game, mm -hmm. when they were doing 8-bit. Those are the games I grew up on when I was a kid. I was playing Attic Attack and Lunar Jetman and Jetpack and Saberwolf and Nightlaw. Nightlaw is one of my all-time favorite games. Underworld, so many amazing games. And I love the fact, by the way, because I've been, I've been messing around with it on Game Pass. I love that Rare Replay has all of those old games, all the old Ultimate games. And, and going back to play those games is a real trip down memory lane for me. I don't know, Alana, you, you tell me, is Rare the same company now though that they were like, is it, are we still, are we, I don't feel like we're no longer in a golden age of Rare. Are they the same company they were when they were knocking out of the park with every, every game they made? I don't think so, but I mean, it, I mean, it's probably an entirely different stuff. I don't actually know where that's concerned. Um, uh, what's it called? Viva Pinata. Um, I never played, but I know people absolutely love that was still really beloved um, just for my, a, a small my, audience. My kid has been playing on Rare yeah. Replay. I got to say, if as a, as a dad, if I could wave a magic wand and have Rare bring anything back for Series X, Viva Pinata. Yeah, I do yeah. want to bring up, I love Viva Pinata. And I think with how much I've loved Animal Crossing and you look at PlayStation with Sackboy Adventures, you look at the hype of Bug Snacks and all that energy Pokemon. around Ratchet and Clank. Yep, 
the Ratchet and Clank. Wouldn't it be exciting, Gary, for a family game on Xbox, which kind of is sorely missing to have that mascot? Would Viva Pinata really fill that out for you and the families? Yeah, look, we need we need more of these like family four quadrant games. You know, we're we're so past the age of everything being like you know jacked up space marines and everything being rated M for mature. We need as a dad, I really, you know, <laughs> like, this is why the, this is why th again, thank God for Nintendo. Like that's what they do. Even if no one else does it, that's what they will always do. But, every, but other platforms have a you know have an obligation to do it as well, you know, the financial obligation, like they can't leave that money on the table. There's a market out there, games for kids, games I can play with my kids. Viva Pinata, uh, Banjo-Kazooie is another one that I think mm. is ripe for a comeback. Like people would like, yeah, if they brought back a new Banjo-Kazooie, I guarantee, again, there's not going to be any people in the room because of the way they're doing it now, but like that's going to get a big reaction online if Banjo-Kazooie. Oh uh, yeah, I'd lose my back. mind if they did Banjo-3. Like I don't want more nuts and bolts. But right? if we get Banjo-Kazooie 3, I'd lose my mind. So, you know, <laughs> we, 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 we want, I think we want to see more of that, you know, like my kid's really into Ooblets right now. Like we love these, great. We, we love these games. And I, and I want to see more, more like that. But yeah, certainly you could make an argument that between the success of Animal Crossing and, you know, the enduring success of, of Pokemon, uh, that if you were going to bring, if there was, if the market was ripe for like a Viva Pinata type game to come back now, now it maybe is the time. Well, their new that. game does not look like that. <laughs> yeah, so, Gary, let's uh, be clear, it does not, is right. But I also, again, I have no idea what it is. Um, I I kind of assumed it was probably another games and service game, but it seems to be in this beautiful, colorful, open world. There are animals. I mean, I have no idea what it is. So, yeah, sign me up to learn more. I, I still just, like, have a very soft spot for Rare in general. And what they, I mean, these are Sea of Thieves headphones. <laughs> um yeah, I, I, I really like all of, all of the stuff that they make, really. And even if, you know, they're not necessarily making the, the type of games that I have the biggest soft spot for in my heart, which is basically everything on Rare Replay, uh, I still feel like everything they've put out has been good. You know what else would absolutely kill? I think this would be a massive mic drop if they announced, like, not just a remake or a remaster, but, like, a full-on, here's a new, full-fat AAA game. God damn it, Battletoads. Well, great job you brought that up. Because Battletoads has been shown off a lot, Gary, and now it's I time it. to really put forth our foot. I've played it as well. It's time to set out a release date. So I would expect right now, Gary, for us to have a release date for this game. Wouldn't even what, be surprised I mean, what, if they what, what shadow we, dropped it. What do we know about it? Oh, that it's been around for a long time, that it's, you know, multiplayer. It is Battletoads to the T. It, it's ready to go, Gary. That's how close oh, I'm Battle, excited. Battletoads I'm excited. Yeah, if you missed the, the announcement, Gary, it was um, it was announced like a while ago, I think. But I don't think they pushed it probably as much as they should have. It was it was was at an E3, and I feel like you like had one of the Battletoads show up was how they did it. Um, yeah, I've played it, yep. and it was uh, I played it at E3 last year to the extent that I had to be kicked out of the Microsoft theater because <laughs> I didn't want to stop playing Battletoads. I literally oh they were like Craig Duncan, the head of Rare, came up to me and was like, Alana, you have to leave. You can't keep sitting here and playing Battletoads. We have to shut the theater down. So I was basically forcibly removed because I couldn't stop playing Battletoads. Oh, uh, it's great. It's, it's coming. Great. Battletoads is back. I'm so <laughs> I have one, another question for you. The Coalition. We know that Gears of War 5 did come out in October, so it's unlikely we will see anything Gears 6 related. We did just have a big content drop as well for Gears 5, but Gears Tactics is still out there on PC looking to come over to the Xbox side. Will we see Gears Tactics or anything teased from this coalition team? Alana, I know you're a big Gears fan. This is a tough one because Rod left. 
So Gears 5 ends on a choice. Um, and I know that Rod had a vision for what would happen after that choice, but now Rod is working on Diablo. Um, so I, you know, someone leaving a studio, the studio head leaving a studio doesn't necessarily mean that whatever is in production falls apart. That's not the way that it works, but I have no idea. Um, I kind of feel like it would be a really weird place to leave the Gears franchise if, again, after that choice, there isn't uh, a six. But I sort of want to see them work on a new IP as well. Um, likelihood of Gears Tactics coming to PC, yeah, seems super likely to me. Uh, sorry, I mean, I mean to, to console, sorry. I think, I think it's an interesting creative discussion to be had about, well, they ended the last game on a choice, which surely means they intend to continue the story. Of course, the reality is these games aren't, aren't made on, based on a creative imperative. They're made on an economic one. Uh, right. Gears 5 made a lot of money. Gears is, again, economically a cornerstone of the Xbox franchise. Yes, there will be more Gears games without any, without any doubt. Otherwise, they're just leaving money on the table. Right. I would it's like more to of a question of what it is. Because, yeah. again, like I said, I know that Rod had a vision for 6, but right. I don't know how much that studio... Like, so, so I guess the pre-production of that game exists already, right? But I don't know how much that studio will, like, keep what Rod had planned or if they just completely change things now that he's not there. Like, I really, I don't, I kind of want them to take a break, um, even though I suppose they already did. Uh, but yes, you're absolutely right that, that if anything is ever going to stay around forever, it's going to be Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed, yeah. Gears of War. Uh, Halo. <laughs> yeah, and you know it's you know it's it's funny when we say like we want to try different. It's interesting. Like gamers always say they want something different until you give them something different, and they say no, not like that. We actually no, we don't like that after all. Like go back to doing the same thing. Like Halo Five, just you know, it, was, it wasn't even radically different. It just had a different narrative uh, perspective, and people didn't like. They'll go back to the way it was. It's true. They they tried to make Halo Wars a thing. Halo Wars was never really a thing, was it? And it wasn't like a big deal. Gears Tactics, I think, is doing fairly well. But like you know, people just want. It turns out people actually just want more of the same, which is why this business is largely risk averse. Because when they do take a risk, it generally you know more often than not doesn't pay off. I think Gears, if anything, is a world where it might be better because it's a, it's it's a it's a tier one franchise. But it's not Halo level. Like everything, everything's at least one rung below Halo. If they were, if they were to say, okay, now we're going to go into destiny, ter destiny territory with Gears of War, maybe they could afford to be a bit more risk taking with Gears. I don't, I, I don't know. Um, what would you say to? Obviously, it's a PlayStation product, Gary. But to your point about um, not taking risks, to Guerrilla making Horizon Zero Dawn after Killzone. Yep. That one always stands out to me as uh, it's a game that sold really well that was a new IP from a studio who had never made anything like it. Yeah. But I always hope that other execs will look at and be like, oh, oh, you can actually do something extremely different to everything you've done before and maybe it'll work. And, and Coalition's going to make shooters. They're going to make multiplayer games. They're going to do that. Um, I want a new IP because I want more new IPs all the time, but you're look, right. This is, this not, is, this is the problem with, uh, you know, big a-list art that makes a lot of money and costs a lot of money, whether it be Star Wars, Avengers, Marvel type stuff, or uh, Halo, you know, anytime you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars, the people that are writing those checks are going to be risk averse. The people that are making the games are going to want to take creative risks because that's what is interesting. They don't want to just keep doing the same thing. Um, you know, at some point there will be a new Uncharted game. There will be. It won't, but Naughty Dog aren't interested in making it because they've moved on. So they'll have to find another developer for it. But they, they, again, I keep coming back to this. They're leaving money on the table if they don't, you know, continue to squeeze everything out of these franchises that they've already spent, you know, billions of dollars. It's you know, getting got, to, Gears Pop. 
multiplayer, yeah. sorry, uh, mobile. So they're going to continue to do those things. Um, my, I'm not, I, I don't know the history too much. My guess is the reason why they've been happy to let Killzone sit for so long is they got to a point where Killzone was kind of plateauing or leveling off or going on the down on the down low in terms of you know sales. Ah, uh, we're not seeing it like grow. Mm. So let's try something else. If kills if each new Killzone game was like selling way more than the last, they would just have kept making them. Mm. But it, it, it got to a point where people are like, eh kind of overkills like they're not it's not selling as much like okay now now we can afford to try something new and i wish and i wish we saw more and more you have to remember every every major video game franchise horizon zero dawn halo assassin's creed uh call of duty destiny uh you name it the last of us uncharted started with someone taking a risk on an original idea and i would like to see more of that the pro the problem is as soon as the original idea hits now it's like just, just let's just iterate that. Let's do two, three, four, mm -hmm. five, six. Yes. But by the time to get you, by the time you get to three or four, the creative people behind it are done. They they yeah. want to they want to they've got the next idea. And fortunately, what happens is, if the horizon, let's say Horizon Zero Dawn two, I'm sure is going to be very very good. I mean, it's my wife's it favorite a, uh, game. I forget what it's called. Um, horizon New Wild Frontier. What is it? The, the Wild Frontier. The Wild That's, Frontier. Sounds my, right. My my wife loved. HZD. She platinumed it. She did all the DLC. She loved every minute of that game. She's excited about the new one. Uh, and, you know, it's only the second game. So it's Forbidden West. The, Forbidden, so the, West thank Forbidden West. There it is. The, 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 um, the Gorilla guys, I, I, I'm sure, have, you know, feel like creatively there's more to be said and done in that world. It's a very yeah. interesting world they created narratively in terms of the world building. So to them, to doing bring it back to Gears, I feel like yeah. basically it's that Gears would have to start plateauing before right. they're going to necessarily yeah. let the coalition make Yeah, uh, only when there is less of an economic argument to keep making the same thing will they allow allow them to try something else. Yeah. But don't forget, a lot of this is um, based on the, the developers of brands as well. Like whatever Naughty Dog does next is going to be a big deal because it's from the makers of Uncharted and The Last of Us. Mm -hmm. Whatever Gorilla does next is going to be from the makers of Horizon Zero Dawn. So we're always excited to see what those developers... I feel like 343 next. has that. The Coalition maybe doesn't so much, yeah. even that their literal studio name is The Coalition, <laughs> right. which is very I'll, tied into Gears. I'll leave this for both of you and the listeners and viewers out there. There was a great piece done by Alana. I think you'll... Help me pronounce this man's name correctly. Arthur Geese, I believe. Yeah, that's right. And he had an article about visiting back when they were Black Tusk mm. and they were creating the next Gears of War. And they also had a special game in the mix that they kind of put on the shelf while they focused on Gears. So like you said, maybe one day we might see that again. Maybe we never will and it will be something new, but that would be pretty exciting. For me personally, I look forward to a release date of Gears Tactics on console. I want everybody to be able to try that offshoot brand of the Gears title because it was a lot of fun on PC. And it is pretty early, but man, oh man, nothing would get you more excited than some more Gears news, maybe even just a logo, but we probably won't get that. Yeah. Another one I want to segue into, one of my favorite moments in all of the Xbox shows is ID at Xbox. They always have a fun moment here. And this is where the presentation can either drag or at the same time, this is when you can find gems that you love from smaller studios. So I definitely look forward to seeing 12 Minutes, Tunic again, Cuphead DLC, and of course, Carry On from Devolver Digital that we saw just earlier this week. I'm, yeah. I'm often, of those I'm often more excited. I'm often more excited by the indie side of the presentation. Me the, too. <laughs> that's where you see the new stuff. 
you know, the less money you spend making a game, the more you can afford to take creative risks. Like I, I can close my eyes and pretty much have a good sense of like what Gears 6 is probably going to look and feel like. They'll, they'll add some wrinkles, but they're not going to change the core experience, I don't think. Um, whereas with indie, like once, once Chris Charlo or whoever, you know, is, steps out on the stage, you've got no idea what's coming. And that to me is more interesting. I think that that could be the case going forward with some of these first party acquisitions as well, though. Um, like I'm always going to be interested in what Double Fine is working on. And Double right. Fine may have previously sort of existed in an ID at Xbox type showcase. I think that they did that with, uh, what's the name of the game where you have the two protagonists that you swap between? Um, forgetting the name, but the Double Fine game. Um, and I'm kind of wondering if some of these studio acquisitions, like like we said, like uh, like getting Ninja Theory to work on Hellblade 2, just funnels into getting a lot more different creative stuff, like the ID and Xbox style stuff, to put into Game Pass. So we're getting a lot of smaller games from big studios, but more often. And I feel like that might feed into creativity, because I could see there being a first-party uh, sizzle reel of things coming to Game Pass of smaller games that looks like previous ID at Xbox sizzle reels. Um, and I'm I'm definitely interested to see what Game Pass in general does to the video game ecosystem as a whole. But in terms of like literal ID at Xbox titles, I always look forward to the stuff that I've never heard of before. Like I always want to see some weird new game. Uh, it, it One of my highlights of the, the year every single year was GDC in San Francisco would have uh, an ID at Xbox event where you could go and play a lot of those games uh, they have this sort of like loft area in San Francisco and you just play all these like very, very, very different games from these cool indie studios. And it's obviously because of the current circumstances, we can't do that, but it's, it, yeah, you're right, Gary. It's the stuff that's exciting to me is I want to see the things I've never seen before. Show me new games that look like nothing I've ever seen before because they, they get so creative and they're often really pretty and really unique takes. I remember there being um, maybe two years ago, uh, a woman who wrote a story about a blind girl uh, that was entirely about, her living with someone who was blind it's just the stuff that, that the biggest studios aren't willing to take risks on for sure yeah and i think we're living just generally living in a real golden age of gaming right now we're all through, even switch who knew all three platforms right now have really vibrant indie scenes going on some mm -hmm. just terrific indie games really quick uh the game that you were thinking about lonzo was broken age thank you it yeah. is broken age yes Thank you, Barrett. Gary, one for me <laughs> for you to look at. Make sure to circle 12 minutes. I really look forward to seeing more of this game. It was shown at E3 last year with Xbox during ID at Xbox. Mm -hmm. And this one is going to be really cool. Of kind of that time loop of you wake up and you go through that day and then you do it all over again. And I'm really oh, excited cool. to see what this looks like. So uh, Annapurna, who in my opinion yeah. can do pretty much not wrong. <laughs> they do some they do some amazing stuff, Annapurna. Yeah. So let's switch gears really quick. That was a lot of expectations. I want to wrap this up with what do you want to see from Xbox? So we'll go around the panel right now. Maybe one or two things that you really want to see a game, a third party partnership that come out, maybe a studio purchase that might be shown at this. Gary Witter, do you want to kick us off or would you like me to kick us off if you're ready? No, no, I'll, I'll go because I've been thinking about this a lot. And I got to say, the you know, I'm excited to see the games, but not just at the showcase, but around, about this next generation in general. I'm actually most excited about the stuff around the games. The games, we know the games are going to be great. They're going to look better. They're going to push more pixels. They're going to have, um, you know, better quality graphics. All the, the, But none of that is going to be a surprise to us. Every generation does that. That's We just kind of expect that. The games look better every generation. They push the boundaries more and more. Um, but I, I don't think we, I, I don't think we're going to be like shocked by anything we see in the next generation in terms of the games. You know, it's a pretty mature medium 
at this point. And I think we, you know, we, we at this point, we, we, we know to have like fairly predictable expectations for what to expect from the games. The stuff I'm genuinely most excited about, and I got to tell you, my console senioritis is kicking in big time. I look, <laughs> at, I look at my Xbox One and my PlayStation 4 and I'm like, look at that piece of shit. Like, why, why, why can I, when can I, when can I give this thing away and move on to the next gen? Because I know it's coming. Like, it's so close now. I can, I can smell it. I want those. Ne- I want that next gen hardware sitting on my, on my, uh, on my TV cabinet, so I can like really get, get my teeth into all this exciting stuff <laughs> that's coming. But the stuff that I'm excited about is not necessarily. Of course, yes, the games. But I, I just want the quality of life improvements. When they talk about these games spinning up super fast, and you know, when 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 I when we play, um, you know, Ghost of Tsushima or Last, you know, the, the loading, you know, the loading times are killing us on some of these games. And when they show that these new games are going to just like be boom, it's up, you're running. You know, they've shown some of these demos. No more loading times. The ability to to you know have like five or six different games in a suspense state and just go back and forth between them as as you, as the mood takes you. Wonderful. I love that. Something as simple as no more goddamn micro USB, USB C mm. control tra- charging. Mm. And like, That'd be find- nice. oh my God, just simple things like that. Better, better UI, better UX, you know, more quality of life improvements for gamers, faster game loading, smart delivery, um, backwards and forwards compatibility, just like just stuff that's going to make our lives and, ex- and our experience as gamers better across the board. That's actually what I'm most excited about. Is one thing that I feel like Xbox never gets enough credit for is their focus on quality of life. Seriously. On things that are really pro-consumer. Game Pass is fantastic. And I mean, my answer is sort of similar in that, look, what I'm really excited to see is Halo. That is what I am the most excited to see. Um, I also am intensely curious about Fable. So really, really want to see that too. But Mine is xCloud because I'm very interested in that new tech and what they're doing with that new tech. Um, I'm just the most, it's, it's not excited, but I just want to know more about how they're handling it, you know, as someone who's a massive just industry in general enthusiast and, and the fact that I recognize this is direction we're heading in, even if people don't want that. Um, I just want to know how they're, how they're going to make it viable where I feel like Stadia has dropped the ball in a lot of ways. So potentially this isn't the conference for that. Potentially we are just getting video games and I will always take an hour full of just video games and nobody talking to me about <laughs> goddamn TVs or Connect uh, or you know Spielberg's Halo series again. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I, I'm mostly just uh, for the nerdy tech side of it, really interested in xCloud. I love it, you too. I got a couple fun wants for you. You guys are ready for this. I would like to see a lot more Elden Ring. That is super mm. hype. That's going to be very fun. George R. R. Martin teaming up with the, I'm going to totally butcher his name, so I'm not even going to try it, but the team from Dark Souls is going to be very excited. Uh, I would it's love Michael to- Michael Zaki, right? We call him Michael Zaki. It is Miyazaki that's working on Elden Ring, isn't it? Yes, that is correct. Thank you yeah. a lot. I, I, I didn't want to try. I didn't want to get beat up yet. Uh, I would <laughs> love to see more party and family games. And when I say party and family games, I'm looking right at you for Fusion Frenzy. Bring back oh, Fusion Frenzy. Find a way. One. Let's oh, have some fun with call. the families yeah, and friends. Good call. Yeah. Now, of course, as well, um, I want to know what Compulsion Game is making. I want to know what's next for Obsidian. But what's really got me on my mind, oh my actually. God, I forgot about Obsidian. Yeah, they got Obsidian. so many, so we many have, good ones. Unfortunately, we don't have much of a show, but there's a lot to talk about. Obsidian will be releasing Grounded. Uh, there is confirmed DLC for Outer Worlds. But what is next for Obsidian is truly the question, Alana, that gets me very excited. Mm. And I want to know because Xbox needs and deserves something that caliber from that team. But to round it out, what I really want to know, Alana, which is odd, 
We just had an open beta for Crossfire X. Now, this is a shooter game that I guess is big in other parts of the world. But when we played this beta, it did not feel good amongst modern shooters. It did not run well. It didn't look good. But the weirdest part about this, Gary, would it get this? Remedy, the team between behind Control, Alan Wake, and some of your other favorite games, is actually set to make the single-player story for this, which kind of blows my mind. Coming off of Control, they might have been working on this before Control, but at the same time, this game did not feel good to me and my friends. We were not excited about this, even though if you look at the trailer, it looks kind of cool. But Remedy making a single-player uh, experience for this game definitely has me going... You might want to show me more of that. Yeah, Remedy has always had a, a, a terrific reputation in kind of the narrative. Max I mean, Payne, dude. Well, yeah. I, I, I honestly, I can Max Payne. I can, I can take it or leave it. I always I thought Max Payne was Max a little Payne bit, one. bit, bit wacky, but you know, Alan <laughs> Wake, Alan Wake's terrific. Control, obviously, I think, and like really made their reputation more than any than any game they've ever done. I even liked Quantum Break, so. Oh, and of course, Quantum Breaks. Yeah, I know. Re like, Re Remedy, Remedy's one, as Mike said, Remedy's one of those companies now that when you hear they're involved, you automatically have to sit up and pay attention. Is Let's it Sam Lake? That would be my question. Sam Lake. Sam, well, Sam is the guy. That's, that's Is he working on Crossfire? He is, uh, which basically to me means I don't care that the multiplayer felt janky. I didn't try it. Uh, <laughs> if Sam Lake and Remedy are, I mean, I would hope that it would be Sam, obviously, um, but it is. Uh, working on a new single-player campaign, I want it. So, as, as someone who doesn't, who really even touches the multiplayer version of games these days, I'm happy to just like play the single-player campaign and get out. Um, yeah, let's do I it. love you too. Well, let's round out our big topic with what, of course, kind of funny's known for the Gatorade get hype moments. And when I say that, I mean what is the moment from this hour-long all about games Xbox Game Showcase that's going to get you up out of your seat? That's going to make you throw your hat spill your beer on top of Andy Cortez's laptop so he can never do work again. Alana, I'll start with you. What is that get hype moment for you? This is like the pie in the sky dream. What do you want to see from Xbox in this? I've, I've always have like one, right? Like, you know, a few years ago, my like my pie in the sky game for E3 was just beyond good and evil too. And then we got it and I lost my mind. I think I cried. <laughs> um, I cried last year about Halo. <laughs> There's generally one game that'll make me cry and it has and hasn't happened yet this year. Um, look, I'd lose my shit over a new banjo. I would lose my mind over a new Jet Force Gemini. Uh, man, if they made like a sequel to that original Xbox Riddick, would never happen, but I'd be like, hell yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean, I kind of wish that I didn't know that Fable was happening because then it would have been Fable. No doubt. Gary, give me a couple quick ones really fast. What's your pie um, in the sky moment? I mean, look, it's 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 ne it's never gonna it's never gonna happen. Um, but GTA Six, it's not gonna happen. Mm, no, I mean, of course it's gonna happen, just not at this event. <laughs> By the way. PlayStation, when they did their PS5 game showcase, they started that off in the worst way possible. It opened with a Rockstar logo, and then it cut to a city environment, and everyone went, is, is this going to be it? Uh, no. Like, no. what a dumbass move. It was insane. Was. Like, making people think it was going to be GTA 6 and then telling them it wasn't. Like, what a terrible way to start that out. Like, awful. Why would you do that to people? It was, Lana, it wasn't just me, right? Everyone. No, that was an absolutely absurd thing to do. You see a Rockstar logo at the start of a PlayStation conference and you're like, oh my God. And, and then, then they start it. showing a city and you go, ah! And you go, no, Sorry, it was, suckers. It it's not that. Nuts. Oh, no. Just the worst. <laughs> 
And then um, I don't think we're, I think that, I don't think we'll see this. I do think we will see it in the next generation. I just don't think we'll see it if I'm playing to my own personal taste. Like, what would I most want to see? Uh, new Mass Effect. Love it. All right, Gay. Well, my get hype moment it anymore. I don't trust it. Yeah, I never played Andromeda because I was so disappointed by what I was hearing and seeing. I didn't want it to spoil my because I have such cherished, deeply cherished memories of the Mass Effect and oh. Mass Effect Two. Still one of the greatest games I've ever played in my life. And I liked yeah. three as well, even though some people didn't. Um, and Andro I was so hyped for Andromeda and I, I never even took it out of the shrink wrap because I just couldn't bring myself to play a substandard Mass Effect game. But I do believe that Bioware uh, has redemption in its future. You know, after Andromeda, after Anthem. I feel I, like I, EA I, just I, has to let them do what they're good at. <laughs> right. Just let them get back to... I mean, I, I honestly think there is still a redemptive chapter for anthem in the future i think they, i think they can still find a way oh, yeah, out of that hall anthem is fun is the thing that that game is fun which is like not necessarily enough but uh i remember the first time i played it i was like dude you feel like iron man that's a ton of fun there is yeah. so much potential there but it just didn't quite work out well so they're working on this big revamp of it again i i, I want i always want to believe i want to believe the best i want to be hopeful i want to be optimistic i believe that there is the anthem still you know, look at no man's sky there's still chats of redemption oh yeah great um, redemption story and, and 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 again mass effect is too big an ip to just let let gather dust on the shelf it's coming back bring it back to the core of Mass Effect, give us another N7, you know, uh, give us a, 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 either find a way to bring back Shepard or come mm. up with, a, you know, a Shepard-like character. Let's get mm. back to what we love. Bring back the characters that we love. Remember when Han Solo first stepped out on that Force Awakens trailer and everyone lost their shit? There's a Mass Effect moment waiting to happen with this franchise. <laughs> you could give me like a Garrus backstory. Yeah, you could come give on. Me one of the other characters in Mass Effect and I would, I would be down for that for sure. Oh my God, I'm well, so that's, ready for it. That's what those Gatorade get hype moments are for. Mine is simple. <laughs> I want Conker's Bad Fur Day back so, so bad. <laughs> I am a huge Conker's fan. I want to see Rare or, you know what, call it my buddy Tim Schafer and let's get over there with I, that double fine team. I would have not have jokes. guessed let's that in a million fun. years. Conker's you know, Bad Fur Day. Conkers. Yeah, no, I'm down. I'm down. You know, I'm down. Get I think Conker. a lot of people want that. So we're going to round out the show with one user question that wants to get connected with all of us here on the show panel. So coming in from Benji Pop says, congratulations on the debut X-Cast team. Thursday is just around the corner and the hype is palpable. We have heard a lot of hype going towards 343, the initiative Playground Games respectively, but we also know Xbox Game Studios now 15 developers, or my apologies, one, one more time. Uh, actually, change the question. Coming from Talking Drumhead, my apologies. What is your dream non-video game license that would you'd love to see paired with an Xbox Game Studio? For example, Wolverine with Ninja Theory or Star Wars going back to Obsidian. I'm excited for all the returning IPs, like hopefully Fable and newer IPs like The Outer Worlds. But I love the idea of bringing in IPs like Sony did for Spider-Man. Would love to hear your thoughts. Really so quick, I'm this one off. to add on to this question, do it, what yeah. are your thoughts about the interest of Microsoft wanting to purchase WB Games uh, Studios? Killer answer or killer add-on right there, Barrett. So my answer for this one is going to be simple. I love the Wolverine with Ninja Theory. I think that's a great, you know, superhero coming into the globe, just like we saw with Spider-Man and PlayStation WB would be a great grab. Doesn't come with those IPs that we want like Batman, but it would be cool. For me, get ready for this one. Transformers with Playground Games. 
We know that they can kill it with driving. We know they kill it with some awesome open world. Mm. Why not let us run around as Transformers, Optimus Prime and the team with a killer studio like that? Mm. All right. You want me to go? Oh, Gary. I remember asking Greg Miller not long ago on Kind of Funny, uh, would you rather a, a new Superman game be developed by Rocksteady or Insomniac? And it was really interesting to watch his brain freeze up in real time, like when Kirk asked the computer that impossible question on Star Trek. Like he just couldn't, he could not find a way out, a way out of that question because it was like, it was just, it was just, it was like the impossible conundrum. Um, but I certainly, I would love, like, you know, I, I know there's been issues with this, a new Rocksteady Batman game. I think we're pretty sure that it's coming. I would love to see for the, Superman's a, a difficult character to do in video games. I don't think he's a difficult character to do narratively. I don't, dis I don't, I disagree with people who say Superman's a boring character. Um, but it's just too OP, <laughs> video game wise. Yeah, and and so you have you have to find ways to to counter that in in and it's it's tough. But if anyone could do it, it would be Rocksteady. I would love yeah. to see them, you know, bring everything they brought to Batman, to uh to to, to the Superman character. And the other one would be um, Kotor Three Bioware. Mm. Just let them, just let them do another one. Good old fashioned linear storytelling. Just what they do best. Just just get like that. That that would be my number one. Alana? Um, mine's sort of a deep cut. There's one video game or one existing franchise that is not a video game that I've always wanted, which is uh, the Mistborn series is a series of fantasy novels by Brandon Sanderson. Um, the, the concept is like really hard to explain, but basically like people can push or pull on metals to like be able to fly. And also like you can throw coins really quickly or you can pull them back through someone to kill them. Just, I love that series. And I know that Brandon Sanderson spoke about um, at one point, he said, I would just give CD Projekt Red that license for free if they wanted it. He was like, literally, if they want to make that into a video game, because it seems like it would be such a cool game. Um, he was like, I would take absolutely no money and give it to CDPR. And ever since I read that, um, you know, having, uh, he's probably one of my favorite authors. Um, and then having seen that idea, I've always been like, yeah, if there's a, a franchise that I want that has nothing to do with video games, it would be Mistborn. Cause I think it would make a sweet video game. Um, yeah, that's definitely my, my number one, but I'm just going to also add on to the crowd of, I will take more Rocksteady Batmans forever. And also that Harry Potter game sounds cool as hell too. So down with that. By the, by the way, I want to come back because they realized that when you when I said KOTOR, that's not really a, you said non-video game. I'm just basically saying I want another KOTOR. If yeah. I have to come up with something that hasn't been turned into a video, or it was on the NES, but like nobody really remembers it. Um, the time would be right. And I'm my, my as I think about it now, I'm, I, my mind is bubbling with with ideas for this. Uh, I don't know who the developer would be. Let's say Insomniac. What, what the hell? Insomniac. Two-player co-op, Bill and Ted. Hmm. Who wouldn't who wouldn't yes. want to see that? Traveling through time. I'm Bill, Mike. You're Ted. Let's 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 travel. Let's travel through various time zones. Rescue uh, great historical figures. Bring them back to the, it's an to the 20th adventure, century. Maybe yeah. some 3D platforming. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I could see I'll that. I'll add to that one, Gary, and I'll actually loop it in with the Xbox Game Studio. You know what I would think would be fun with that? Bill and Ted and Compulsion Games with what they've made We Happy Few look like. I would love to see Bill and Ted in that kind of artistic style. And see what yeah. they could do. That would be a lot of fun. Or really like a kind of, or like a kind of deep silver volition kind of thing. You know, like again, that's a. a, a oh ah! Oh, I almost forgot. Bring Saints Row for God's sake! Bring back Saints Row. You're the best. So much. Alana's making like, a. Alana's I just making feel a like face. the series like went downhill in a way that I stopped being interested. But I feel like it is like actually I liked three, but I uh, got out of hell. I was like, what are you doing? I like. Um, I liked four. I, I thought four. I mean, because it, it just went to like such bizarre places. Or you're like, it's like prototype 
infamous style, right? Like yeah. that's the one where you like run around yeah. like a superhero. Yeah, that was fun too. Yeah. Um, and I think that there was a recent remaster that is making people think that Saints Row probably is coming back. Right. Um, seems likely to me. We'll do you think, you think there's a Saints Saint, Mike, do you think there's a, a future in the Saints Row? Series? 100%. I think Saints Row was very special and near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. Saints Row Run, for me, will be always very special. And I'll always bring up multiplayer games as we learn over these six weeks. I'm a huge multiplayer guy. But to have the fun, whimsical nature of Saints Row up against what was GTA, the juggernaut at that time... I think really stole a lot of people's hearts and it has been a long run, a long series, but there's always a chance for room to invent yourself and have some fun and bring that back. So I am excited to see what that looks like, but it will always hold a special spot in my heart. Be a challenge for them as well, because Saints Row, I mean, there's a reason why Duke Nukem is not viable anymore. Like it's just cringy mm. now. Right. Yeah. And the cultural climate has evolved to an extent. If you're going to bring Saints Row back, you, you have to do it in a way that still works in this day and age. Because mm -hmm. Saints Row was not a PC game, never has been. And they would I think they would have to find a way to kind of keep that humor, but still stay on the right side of, um, you know, where, where to where we've all moved, you know, culturally. I love it. Well, let's round out the show right now. Thank you to everybody that has sent out emails, user questions. But most of all, we want to spotlight you, the best friend community around the globe. So our final segment is going to be the XCast Design Lab. Of course, one of the coolest features over here with Microsoft and Xbox is the Xbox Design Lab, where you can customize your controller in any way, shape, or form with some awesome and unique palettes to choose from. So I've asked you, the community, to send in your favorite Xbox Design Lab controller. Share a fun story. Did you buy it for Gary Witta? Did Alana Pierce gift it to you? What's the story behind it? And so Barrett's going to pull up this controller right now from Alex Russ, a.k.a. Zero Syndicate. And the tweet reads... Why, yes, I love Gundam so much. I designed my Xbox Design Lab controller to be Gundam theme. So everybody's going to take a look at these three pictures that Alex did provide us. And man, oh man, how cool is that looking, Gary? To see the colors, to see the Gundam reference that he was following. I absolutely love it. I got to say, I've always wanted to do this. I've always, Alana, have you ever done this, gone into the Design Lab and made your own controller? You know what? Like I have a bunch for gifts. Uh, that is a frequent go-to present that I give people is I will design them a custom labs controller. And do you try, and do you try to like capture their personality when you do that? Like how do yeah. you customize it for them? My ex, I tried to make him one that sort of looked like his Jeep. Okay. Because uh, cool. he loves his car. Um, otherwise, it's like I know their favorite colors. I had someone that I made like a watermelon themed one because they're just like a very cute bubbly <laughs> person that I was like, I feel like this will suit them. And I find it really fun to be a gift that you give someone for sure. So... I've never done it for myself because I have too many controllers. I think I have like seven Xbox One controllers in here. We probably don't need any more. Um, but I, I think it's a really cool way to give someone a present. I really like them. Yeah, I like this guy. I mean, I'm not terribly familiar with like the Gundam, you know, design language, but I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's a cool color combination. Um, I've always liked, I, I, if I were to do one, like I, my favorite 360 controller was the pink one. I had a pink one and I loved it. Uh, and I like kind of doing things in kind of more, um, uh, subdued tones. Like not everything has to be raw, you know, masculine controller. Those are the ones that kind of turn me off. I, I do hope, I, I, and again, this one's really cool. I do hope that they continue the design lab into the next generation. Super cool. We'll, yes. Yeah. I'm very excited. One thing excited. that I miss is faceplates because I used to customize those yeah. myself. I would buy oh, an on Xbox the 360? 360 yeah. Yeah, faceplate and then I would paint them. So I would like sand them, prime them, and actually paint yeah. them with custom designs myself. Um, and then also give them to people. Like that was a thing that I was doing. So I made like, even though you could get a Halo one, I made a Halo one. Those were super cool. 
And it's oh. it's a thing like that kind of customization that I miss. That said, like I have the the Gears Five Xbox, which is looks like it's like covered in ice, and when you yeah. turn it on, it makes an ice cracking sound. Like that thing is is very cool. I'm I'm sure you've talked about it before, Alana, just not to me. What do you think of the Xbox Series X um, design language? This big kind of brutalist Albert Speer monolithic cuboid. Like, do you do, is that appealing to you aesthetically? Do you like it? I always think that every console, when I see it, looks bad. Every new console, I'm like, stupid. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I'm having trouble with it being vertical because I just try to picture how it'll look in my apartment in my display stand and I I just don't know uh, if it'll fit right, how it's going to look. I mean, I, I'm mostly in support of like, give me whatever you need to give me the power without giving me a red ring of death. <laughs> like that, you right. know, there you, you go. You get the function right first. We don't want to have a screw up like that again. But for, 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 as, as someone who's like a bridge. We literally had to turn the volume up playing Last of Us 2 because it was like having a leaf blower yeah. in the living room during some of those sequences. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it looks like PS5, the reason why it's so gigantic is again, they're, they're really prioritizing, you know, thermal, you know, airflow mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. But you're right. Every, no, no, it, it, it's, it's funny. You look at the two consoles, right? The Xbox what, Series X and the PlayStation 5. PlayStation 5, the Xbox Series X comes out. Why is it so boxy? PlayStation 5 comes out. Why is it so curvy? Yeah. Like you can never please everybody. I just uh, think they new hardware just looks weird. No matter yeah, what, but, it always just looks it, weird. But it grows on you over time and yeah. you just accept it. Yeah. 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 And I'm excited to talk to you all about that look, especially back to Alex really quick. Alex, I think you've done a terrific job matching the colors to your favorite Gundam, especially on the back. If you take a look, he has yeah. the white back with the rubberized grips. And one thing that I love with Design Lab is you can actually customize the bumper color and the trigger color. So I really like the offset colors on the bumpers and or, uh, triggers. I'm very, I love that. I cannot wait to see somebody with the different select and menu buttons and the face buttons, because those have a lot of cool custom options as well to match up with the colors. But this will conclude episode one of the Kind of Funny X-Cast. A big thank you to my team, Alana Pierce and Gary Witta, for joining me on this six-week adventure. Thank you to Barrett Courtney for running behind the scenes. And of course, big thank you to the kind of funny best friends and all the viewers and all the listeners around the globe that made this six week pilot program possible. This is because of you. So thank you truly. And honestly, we are excited to bring some green, some Xbox talk down over to kind of funny. So sit back, relax, and let's have some fun over these next six weeks, but we need your help. We need you to watch this on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. We need you to go leave a comment and a review over on the podcast service of your choosing share it with your mom, your dad, your auntie, your uncle, your dog walker, your dentist, that cute barista at your local Starbucks, and everyone around the globe, because it's time to power your dreams here at Kind of Funny with Xbox. Thank you all so much for joining me. Thank you to Alana and Gary one last time, and we can't wait to see you next week right after the big Xbox game showcase. Goodbye, everyone. Mm -hmm.